Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning, witches. It is March 31st, 2023. It is Friday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by A Curious Future. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is, Winter teetered on the verge of succumbing to the returning sun, but today the breeze still preferred the touch of snowflakes. Rue an average curse. So we're skipping the tea segment today. I feel like we have totally um, s- like squeezed every ounce we could out of which is cupboard. So we're taking a little tea break. I'm having water right now. Um, I don't drink enough of it. I don't think any of us do. So, mm-hmm. so let's go right into some headlines. And oh my gosh, I can't believe I have not talked about this before. I feel like I could talk about it purely myself and not even use the article I pulled. Okay. Listen, listen, I love TikTok, right? As much as the next person. And I under, and I know it's under attack right now. I do. I, I am pro TikTok. I'm pro TikTok. I'm pro expression. I'm pro people getting together, right? But, and this is something people need to be held accountable, not the platform. And we will see this person being um, held accountable. But I am of the millennial generation, which means I remember a time before the internet And I remember a time where the internet, and like, I'm a part of the generation that like had to learn the internet, you know, who had to like learn all the things first and then teach our parents and, or help our parents. And, um, you know, if you wanted to code something, you couldn't get a Wix account. You had to open up notepad and learn HTML, you know? Um, so I feel like, you know, millennials are that generation where, um, I actually have heard a commentary on how millennials are actually more technologically competent than Gen Z because we had to learn how to use the internet um, before everything was like app user friendly. And we had to like go through the hard knocks of really learning how it worked. So we have this huge internet thing and we have learned over time, right? Like you can't believe everyone you, what everyone says on, on the internet, right? Like, you cannot trust everybody. You cannot listen to what everyone says. You cannot just say whatever you want with no consequences. We learned that, right? Like the 90s and the 2000s, we learned lessons about how to competently and smartly use the internet. I feel like TikTok has just hit rewind on all of that. All of a sudden, people believe anything they hear right? On TikTok. Well, someone made a 10 second video about it and I liked how they pointed to words. So seems legit, you know? Um, It's like we've completely forgotten all of these lessons we've learned about the internet. People believe anything they hear. Um, People do outrageous things thinking there are no consequences. So it's really weird watching kind of like this people on these platforms act like it's the wild, wild west and like act buck wild, you know? So 
This is an example of consequences to your actions. You can't just say whatever you want and do whatever you want. There are consequences. So apparently a TikTok psychic, which is why we're talking about it, claimed to have solved the University of Idaho murders and her suspect is suing, right? Because like we learned in the 90s and the early aughts, you can't just say anything you want on the internet and not get in trouble. People have forgotten that lesson. Now on TikTok, people are saying whatever they want and they're getting in trouble. So, a self-described psychic sleuth on TikTok claimed to have solved the murders of four students at the University of Idaho in November, accusing a professor at the school of uh, conspiring to murder the students in order to cover up an illicit affair. How did she crack the case? Tarot cards. The University of Idaho professor named in the TikTok videos has filed a defamation defamation lawsuit against Texas-based TikTok personality Ashley or uh, Ashley Gilliard, who accused the history chair of being the uh, perpetrator and killing the four students in an off-campus home November 13th. Police have still not named a suspect. Actually, we have since named the suspect, I think, right? Yeah, this was December. So we, we now know who did it, of course, pending a trial, right? So police have still not named a suspect and have not found the knife that they say was used. Um, but basically, on November 24th, so these students were murdered, um, Madison, Cor, Kaylee, um, Zaina, and Ethan. I've heard no one say their names, so I'm going to go ahead and say them. So these students were brutally murdered, right? On November 24th, Gilliard, an internet sleuth with more than 105,000 followers, posted six videos to her account in which she claimed that Rebecca Schofield was responsible for the four deaths. Um, Gilliard also said the professor had been involved in romantic relationships with the victims, and that was her motive. So this is from OregonLive.com, just so you know. The lawsuit says that Gilliard had uh, decided to use the community's pain for her online self-promotion. In one video, which has more than 2.5 million likes, Gilliard flat out accuses Schofield of participating in the killings. According to the uh, complainant, Gilliard uses tarot cards and other readings to solve crimes. She claims to have solved several high-profile cases, including um, deaths, many deaths. Schofield began began working the uh, the chair. Schofield, the one who this woman is attacking, began working at the school in 2016 and became the history department chair in 2021. The complainant states that she was visiting friends in Portland at the time of the killings and had never taught or met any of them. According to the court filing, Schofield sent Gilliard a letter on November 29th, demanding she take down the videos. Instead, Gilliard later that week posted additional videos making accu- accusations against Schofield. So Schofield's lawsuit says Gilliard's TikTok videos have damaged her reputation and caused significant emotional distress. She fears for her life and the lives of her family members, they state. She has incurred cost, cost to install security systems, security cameras. She, feel, she fears these false statements may have motivated someone to cause harm to her or her family. So basically what what happened was this TikToker who, you know, uses these, the interest in these high profile cases does quote unquote readings to solve them so she can get clients, right? That's what we can uh, assume 
based off of this. And so how how did she do this, right? How did she magically come up with this random woman's name? So when these students were brutally murdered, this TikToker, psychic reader, went on the school's um, faculty page and just went one by one pulling cards. And then when a card she liked landed on this woman's picture, she was like, oh, she did it. And then she crafted this whole narrative that there was this illicit affair and jealousy and da-da-da. When, when, when this woman never met or taught any of these students and was out of town, they found the person who did it. And so this woman was like, can you stop making videos claiming I'm a murderer? And this TikToker, I saw the videos, literally is making fun of these letters, like these cease and desists. And um, when the when Schofield sued her, she made videos going, ha, 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 she can't sue me. I'm in another state. I don't think she knows how the law works. I mean, clearly, she doesn't seem to know how anything works. Um, she's like, ha, ha, she can't do nothing to me. She can't touch me. Like, literally, this woman is like, you're ruining my life. And this TikToker is making fun of her on TikTok and going, I know you're like a murderer. It's absolutely disgusting and horrible. And um, from what I hear, Schofield, the teacher, won the case because this woman just did nothing about it. She just showed everyone on her TikTok and laughed at her, did nothing. And when you do nothing, you lose essentially. Absolutely horrible. Um, we have to relearn our internet rules when it comes to TikTok. TikTok is no different than the internet. So we have to go back to the 90s, relearn lessons. And this is a good example. You cannot just accuse people of murder. You know, weirdly enough. Also, you also really shouldn't be doing tarot readings without some sort of licensing. This was, um, I know that's not a popular opinion, but it's true. Uh, you really should have some sort of protection. Um, that was the first lesson I learned um, back in the day. Someone was nice enough to tell me that um, you really should not do readings for someone if you don't have some sort of like state protection. Luckily, I do. I, I have for a long time under, I actually have multiple forms of protection, right? Because if you doing if if you're doing a reading and you're like hey it looks like you're going to have a great june and then their june sucks you know they can't come after you for it you know what i mean and it's just it's just realistic we live in a very um contentious environment you you so you the only you have to protect yourself as a reader but you have to be cognizant that these are people's lives these are people's lives um I, I tend to be pretty delicate when I give readings. Uh, if I think there is a messy situation, I do tell the person, but I tell them in a really delicate way. I tell them in a way that I don't think is going to um, cause harm to the people around them because you, you have to be responsible. There is a responsibility and you can't have someone who's vulnerable get a reading or in this state where there's a lot of high emotions and start pointing fingers and making these wild accusations, even if you think the cards say so. You know, you just can't. You have to have ethics. And this woman did not have ethics. And now she's lost this case. It is absolutely wild. Um, I cannot believe I'm just now mentioning it. Sometimes I forget to like tell you guys things. I don't know. I try to remember, <laughs> but it's absolutely nuts. So um, if we can learn anything from this today, um, I think there's a few lessons. If you are a reader, make sure you have some sort of protection, uh, whether that's getting an, um, an entertainment license, being under a like LLC. Uh, I mean, I'm not a legal 
I'm not giving legal advice. There are other forms of protection if you're a religious member, a clergy member. Uh, there, there's, there's, look, look into your state and find out what legally protects you as a reader, number one. Number two, ethics. Develop ethics when you're doing your readings. And three, we have to relearn that the internet is not the wild, wild west. Okay. And I know for some reason, I don't blame TikTok, but some, but I blame the users. For some reason, TikTok has made people think we are in like, uh, you know, 1989, the internet's brand new and we can do whatever we want. That's not the case. Okay. So, um, that's it. Was that weird, annoying? If so, I'm sorry. I'm going to throw this over to our moon correspondent and we will talk more after the break. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Friday, March 31st. The waxing gibbous moon makes a dramatic entrance in Leo today. Here, the moon trines the sun and squares Venus and Uranus. Venus and Uranus are in Taurus, cooking up some very well-meaning surprises. Unfortunately, these unexpected gifts are likely to throw us off our tracks. The trine to the sun will help us to take this in good humor. So if we're able to roll with the day and take things as they come, we're likely to come out of this day with more than what we started. Your daily moon mantra is, sometimes slowing down is the best way to speed up. This has been your daily moon mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. From the pages of Which Way magazine comes a new collection of stories by longtime fiction contributor Olive Blake called Grow Your Own Optimist. Featuring a never-before-seen short story, Grow Your Own Optimist is often romantic, occasionally satirical, and always unexpected. These surprising tales of demons, devil's advocates, dystopia, and dating remind us that there is magic to be found in the dark places. Olive Blake is a New York Times best-selling author of The Atlas Six and several other books, including the Which Way anthology, The Answer You Are Looking For Is Yes, and the novella La Petite Mort. She lives in Los Angeles with her husband, Goblin Prince Toddler, and Rescue Pitbull. Find the new anthology series, Grow Your Own Optimist, by Olive Blake, wherever books are sold. All right, we are back. So this is our last day in our Magical Animals series, and today we're talking about serpents. So you're like, Tanya, you're completely contradicting yourself. You said before that it, it was somewhere between cryptids and real animals, and I'm pretty sure serpents are real animals, so you are full of shit. Um, see, um, I can do whatever I want, number one. <laughs> number two... I just, I, I can't, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I, I told you it's, you know, I'm just, I'm going by heart. I'm going by heart. And I feel like uh, snakes and serpents is kind of like one of the most, one of the most kind of symbolized animals, especially in magic and witchcraft. And you know what? I'm just, I'm, I do my best. Okay. Let's go. This comes to us from mythencyclopedia.com. So serpents and snakes play a role in many of the world's myths and legends. Sometimes these mythic beasts appear as ordinary snakes. At other times, they take on magical or monstrous forms. 
Serpents and snakes have long been associated with good as well as evil, representing both life and death, creation and destruction. Serpents and snakes uh, are often used as symbols in religion, mythology, literature. Uh, they can stand for fertility, life force, partly because the creatures can be seen as a symbol of the male sex organ. They have also been associated with water and earth because many kinds of snakes live in water or holes in the ground. The ancient Chinese connected serpents with life-giving rain. Traditional beliefs in Australia, India, North America, and Africa have linked snakes with rainbows, which in turn have often related to rain or fertility. As snakes grow, many of them shed their skin at various times, revealing a shiny new skin underneath. And for this reason, snakes have become symbols of rebirth, transformation, immortality, and healing. The ancient Greeks considered snakes sacred uh, to the god of medicine. He carried a um, staff with one or two serpents wrapped around it, which has become the symbol of modern physicians. For both the Greeks and the Egyptians, the snake represented eternity. Ouroboros, the Greek symbol of eternity, consisted of a snake curled into a circle or hoop, biting its own tail. The Ouroboros uh, grew out of the belief that serpents eat themselves and are reborn from themselves in an endless cycle of destruction and creation. So, living on and in the ground, serpents came to be seen in some religions and mythologies as guardians of the underworld. In this role, they could represent hidden wisdom or sacred myths, but they also had other more sinister meanings. The use of serpents as symbols of death or evil or treachery may be related to the fact that some of them are poisonous and dangerous. Satan and other devils have frequently been portrayed as snakes, often in the biblical story of Eden, where a sly serpent tempts Eve and Adam into disobeying God. Some Christian saints are said to have driven away snakes in a sign of miraculous powers given to them by God, a.k.a. St. Patrick. Um, the Hindu and Buddhist mythology shows how serpents can symbolize both good and evil, hopes and fears. Although these snake gods could take any shape, including a fully human one, they often appeared as human heads on serpent bodies. The Nagas lived in underwater uh, or underground kingdoms. They controlled rainfall and interacted with deities and humans in a variety of ways. Some were good, um, and others could be cruel or vengeful. So we see snakes and serpents in a lot of myths. Many mythical creatures, such as dragons, combine snake-like qualities with features of humans or animals. In Greek mythology, um, Eshinda, Eshinda, I feel like I really should know how to say this. Eshinda, Eshidna, was half-woman, half-serpent monster whose offspring included several dragons. Cecrops had a man head and a chest um of a like snake body and he was a uh hero to the um Athen uh the you know people of athens in aztec mythology there's the feathered serpent in myth uh in medieval europe people told tales of basilisk a serpent with a dragon body that could kill merely by looking at or breathing on its victims Melusuna, another uh, figure of European folklore, was part woman, part fish, and snake. Um, and basically, like, she had to spend one day a week in water. Ooh. 
So it's just really fascinating. Snakes are really cool. There's also an Egyptian god of chaos. And then we have sea serpents, where they're a little different. Uh, mysterious serpents occur not just in ancient myths, but in a more modern legends as well. For centuries, people have reported seeing huge snakes or snake-like monsters at sea or in lake, like the, lo like the Loch Ness Monster. Even though he's kind of more like a little dinosaur, I think. Many marine scientists admit that creatures yet unknown may inhabit the depths. No one has produced reliable evidence of an entirely new sea serpent. Most likely, the mysterious creatures seen swimming in the water surface are masses of seaweed, floating logs, rows of um, uh, like sharks, sea lions, squids, etc. Or porpoises. So they can often represent chaos, cosmic. Um, yeah, it's just really interesting. And I know a lot of witches personally who are like really, really love snakes. And you can use snake skin in your spells. It's pretty cool. All right, witches. I feel like I lectured a little too hard today. I don't mean to nag. I don't. I, I don't mean to nag. I, I just get, I, I get fiery. I get wound up. That's all. And I care. I, I care about all of you. I just don't want any of us to end up, you know, in prison for a tarot reading. But I don't want you to think I'm nagging you, you know? Anyways, we're wrapping up this series, this episode, this series, this episode of The Witch Daily Show. I want to give a shout out to listener Kat. Kat, you dreamlike, perfect fire dragon. Amy Sue's Amy, you loyal, sophisticated kraken. Shannon Howell Barnes. Shannon, you avant-garde, talented wendigo. And finally, Christina Benfield. Christina, you bombastic, glittery spinster. Thank you for so much for being Patreon supporters. I really appreciate it. And before we leave today, we do have a card pull. Our card today is Gratitude Rampage from the Metaphysical Cannabis Oracle. If this card shows up for you, consider installing a daily practice that includes expressing gratitude in a way that feels like uh, it's in flow. Showing gratitude to the self is also very important, so be sure to say thank you to yourself as well. And some headlines before we leave today. Um, today is the last day you can enter to win a copy of the Magic of Trees giveaway. We're giving away one copy. All you have to do is simply email me at thewitchdailypodcast at gmail.com or use our write-in feature on our link tree, which I actually think I need to edit because the website changed a little bit. Um, or just go to our, our website, witchdailyshow.com. And uh, just write in and telling us how nature has helped or healed you in some way or another. Answers may be read on air, so just, you know, consider that. And that's it. Um, don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources. Anything we've referenced today can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpot.com. And we will talk again next week. Witches, we hope you have a wonderful day full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath 
and have a great day. I had an abortion when I was 15 years old in my home state of Arizona in 1994. It was not a decision that I made lightly, but I have never for one moment doubted that it was the right decision for me. But so much has changed in Arizona and many other states since then. If I were that same 15-year-old in Arizona today legally, I would have to get parental consent. I would be forced to undergo a medically unnecessary ultrasound, go to a state-mandated in-person counseling session designed solely to shame me into changing my mind, and then take a state-mandated 24-hour time out to make sure I really know what I wanted. And finally, I would be forced to give the state a reason why. Well, here is mine. It is my body, not the state's. Women and their doctors are the ones that are in the best position to make informed decisions about what is best for them no one else. No bill that criminalizes abortion will stop anyone from making this incredibly painful decision. These bans will not stop abortion from happening, but they will drive women and girls and people into the shadows, which is what this has always been about, shaming and controlling women's bodies. In the week after I shared my story on my show, women were coming up to me in the street, in the supermarket, at my gym, with tears in their eyes, thanking me for my bravery. But the word brave didn't sit right with me. Why is it brave to speak to an experience that millions of people around the world throughout history have gone through? And then I realized it is considered brave because as women, we have been taught to feel shame about our bodies since birth. I am so sad that we have to sit here in front of a row of politicians and give deeply personal statements because the why doesn't matter, it should not matter. I am a human being that deserves autonomy in this country that calls itself free, and choices that a human being makes about their own bodies should not be legislated by strangers who can't possibly know or understand each individual circumstances or beliefs. I'm here today to help destigmatize a legitimate medical procedure and continue to encourage women not to allow themselves to be shamed for their choices. And finally, I am here today for my two little girls, Birdie and Cricket. My dream for them is that they will live in a world in which women are truly equal with complete control over their own reproductive health. That is the dream I hold for all people, regardless of their privilege or parents or what state they live in. That dream is slipping further and further from reality with every ban passed. I hope that you, our elected leaders, can help us reverse the tide. Thank you. I look forward to today's discussion.